we come to our, our sermon and to God's Word today. A couple of things to think about as we, as we get started. The first is this. Um, can you remember, can you think of a time that you were in a conflict with, with someone or something? Can you think of a time, like, like right here, this poor lady, she's having a conflict, I think, right? Nobody's happy with her. Can you remember a time? Maybe it was something at work. Maybe it was something at home. Maybe it was an argument, a disagreement, a fight. You might remember. Oh, y'all are blessed. Nobody can. Oh, Sarah. Okay. Sarah's been in a, a conflict with the rest of you. It's good. Um, it's pretty stressful, isn't it? Right. It's pretty stressful, isn't it? When, when you're in conflict, right? Um, and so that's, 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 a, that's a tough situation. Here's another question. Can you remember a time um, in the, the recent past when you got good rest? I don't know, like this lady, you know, she's getting some good rest here by the, by the lake, right? Sadly, this wasn't my vacation, just a screenshot. Um, can, you, can you think of a time you got good rest, like good soul rest? No conflict, just like shalom, you know, peace with the Lord, peace with others. Anybody think of that? Good. Got one in conflict, one in good rest. I don't know what the rest of y'all are doing, right? Maybe, maybe it's just not being open and honest with us today, right? I imagine, I imagine everybody deals with some conflict and hopefully everybody gets some rest, even if not all the time, right? Because rest is good medicine for our souls in a busy and noisy and often conflicted world, right? So can you remember the last time that you got good, good soul rest? Well, today in our, in our text, we're back in this series on Mark's Gospel, and in our text, we see a growing conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders, and then we also get the truth that Jesus is telling us His solution that we will find rest, soul rest in Him and Him alone. So we're going to look at that today. Our text is from Mark chapter 2, 23 through uh, chapter 3, verse 6. So listen now to God's Word to us today. Mark says, One Sabbath, He, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, His disciples began to pluck heads of grain and the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry, he and those with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for, for anyone except the priests, to eat, and, and he also gave it to those who were with him. And then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, the religious leaders, he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or, or to kill? But they were silent. 
And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, against Jesus of how to destroy him. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, so in our text today, we, we see Jesus. This is right after, if you remember two weeks ago, this is right after he was with Levi. He called Levi. He went to a dinner at Levi's house with the other tax collectors and sinners. And then, and then here we, we find Jesus in another conflict, a, a more intense conflict. And we're going to see in Mark's gospel that from here, the, the conflict with the religious leaders just intensifies as, as the gospel goes on. This, this conflict was related to the Sabbath. Now, perhaps for us, it's easy to kind of gloss over a conflict about the Sabbath because for many of us, we don't worry too much about Sabbath keeping or rules and regulations with that, or perhaps we just don't have a good concept of biblical Sabbath, but for Jesus, the conflict comes to a head here about the Sabbath, right? And, and for Jesus, I think we could say, in a manner of speaking, this is the beginning of the end for Jesus. Conflict begins and intensifies to his death. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, they begin to plot against him, as the text said, to destroy him. So the Pharisees, the Pharisees, just to, just to speak about, there were two groups here named in the text, the Pharisees and the Herodians. The Pharisees, we could say they were like the, they were like the fundamentalist, right-wing, conservative, religious leaders of their time. They were worried about doing things right. They were worried about keeping the right traditions. And then also mentioned in the text, the Herodians, they were kind of the opposite, in a manner of speaking, of, of the Pharisees. They were Romans. They were promoters of uh, the, the Greek culture. They would have been seen kind of as the religious liberals of the day. And so you've got these two groups of people who would ordinarily not want to spend much time together. And, and here they are. And they may not have much they agree on, but they agree on one thing, that Jesus is a problem and that they want Jesus taken out, silenced, destroyed, put to death, whatever it takes. And so it's really, in a way, the beginning of Jesus' journey to the cross. And, and, and we see, as has been mentioned, that the conflict today revolves around Sabbath keeping. Sabbath keeping. So, so in Jewish religious tradition, it was believed that you, or it was held to, that you worked six days, and then on that seventh day, you would rest, right? Those six days of work, one day of rest. And that time of rest, that time of Sabbath would be from sundown until sundown. So from like Friday at sundown until Saturday at sundown would be that period of time to, to stop doing all sorts of things, to rest from your labors and to focus on the Lord. So that was, that was this, this Sabbath time. 
Now, Sabbath is rooted, really biblically, Sabbath is rooted in two events that we can easily point to. Sabbath first is rooted in the creation event, right? In Genesis, God created everything. Yeah, amen, right? In six days. I mean, it's pretty efficient, right? Created everything in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. Now, did God need a rest? Probably not, right? I mean, he's God, right? He never, neither slumbers nor sleeps. Probably didn't need a rest, but he was giving us a gift. He was giving a gift to mankind of rest that the universe does not revolve around us and our work and our labors, that we need a gift of rest. And so we find Sabbath rooted in the creation event. And we also find Sabbath rooted in the law of God as God, as God brought the Hebrew people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. Then at Mount Sinai, he gave his law to Moses, the Ten Commandments. And so the Ten Commandments are kind of a basis for our, for our connection, our relationship with, with God. They're very central to that relationship, right? And so those who follow God, follow his commands, right? And, and for the Jewish people, they were a set-apart people. They were kind of uniquely set apart, different from those people around them, and the commandments were, were part of making them distinct and different than those people and nations around them. And so we find the Sabbath rooted in the commands. Anybody know which command the Sabbath is rooted in? It's number, number four. There we go. Yeah. Right. We have a seminary professor. He probably was saying it. I just didn't hear. Right. And the fourth command, right? To keep the Sabbath. Um, so, so we have that foundation. Sabbath is rooted in Scripture in these, in these places. And then we have Jesus and the Pharisees or the religious leaders kind of feel like Jesus is messing with the Sabbath. Right? He's, not, he's not keeping it right according to their prevailing understanding. And they think maybe Jesus has even outright rejected the Sabbath. And, and then, of course, Jesus goes on to claim that he is Lord even of the Sabbath and, uh, and that true rest is found in him. But I'm getting a little bit ahead. Um, so, so today in the text, there's a couple of things, a couple of things I want to draw out that I think help us to understand what's going on here and also help us to apply it to our own lives of faith. So the first thing that I want to draw out of the text that I think is significant is that in this text about the Sabbath, Jesus is removing the burden of the Sabbath. Jesus is removing the, the weight of the Sabbath. So, so we, we, we read that Jesus was with his disciples. He was walking through the grain fields, it said. I don't know if that means, maybe it meant there was a, a road or a lane or a path through the grain fields. They were going from one place to another and they were walking. Now, it is worth noting that on the Sabbath, there had been made by the Pharisees many rules about how to keep the Sabbath properly. How far you walked on the Sabbath was one of those. So we don't even know. Maybe Jesus and his disciples had already exceeded the walking distance allowed on the Sabbath. They might have already broken the Sabbath in that way. We, we don't know um, one way or other for sure. But what we do know is that the Pharisees saw them and, and as they walked through the grain field, I think of it as being wheat. Maybe it was more likely barley. But as they're walking through the field, the disciples are picking heads of grain, kind of rolling the, 
rolling the grain in their hand to separate the, the grain from the chaff, eating it, having a little snack along, along the way. And so the disciples, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Pharisees, they see this and they categorize this as work. It's the Sabbath and they're harvesting grain or they're reaping the field on the Sabbath as they, as they pick some heads of grain and eat them. And for the Pharisees, they had a lot of categories and a lot of rules about Sabbath keeping, about not working. And so technically, according to that, this picking of grain, heads of grain, would have been considered work on the Sabbath, reaping technically on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees want to know, hey, Jesus, what's going on? Why are your disciples working on the Sabbath, right? So that is their, that is their framework, right? They... They have many categories, many rules. They're looking at the Sabbath. They're looking at their relationship with God through these. For the Pharisees, this is what this this is religion, and this is what religion gets you: that you are saved, or you are accepted, or you are found worthy by keeping the rules and by keeping them pretty much just so, right? And and that's true in nearly every religion of the world. You better live right or you're going to pay. You better follow the rules right or it's going to cost you. Now, if you live in that, if you live in that framework, that's the Pharisees worldview or framework. If you live in that, then you better know what the rules are. And you better have a really clear understanding of the rules if you're going to try to keep them, keep them right. Right. So what exactly does it mean to not work? On the Sabbath, you better you better know if your relationship with God is based on your obedience to the law, then you better you better be very clear on this. And that is what the Pharisees had done. They had parsed this out to the extreme. And over years and years, they had added and added and added law and rule after law and rule onto the law of God so that it was extremely clear how to do this right. And so reaping grain on the Sabbath, that's a no-no. And the disciples are seen doing this. Now, Jesus responds to this inquiry from the Pharisees with a story. Now, this is a common way that Jesus answers questions by telling a story. And he tells a story based out of Scripture from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 21. And he tells a story about David and, and some of his men eating the, the bread from the temple. And I think as, as I read this, it seems to me like Jesus is being sarcastic in telling this story. I'm not sure, but it kind of comes across to me that way. He's sort of being sarcastic as if, like, maybe you've never heard this before. Right? Of course, the, the Pharisees had heard this, but kind of tells it that way. Like, maybe, you, maybe you've never heard this. Um, he tells a story about David stopping in, eating, eating the bread that only the priest should eat. David breaks the rules to feed himself and to feed the men with him. And, and Jesus acts like, Nate, perhaps you haven't heard this before. Right? Of course, they had heard this. Of course, they knew it. They had a little different interpretation of it. They believed that the average person should not feel that they have the same freedom that David the king, of, that David the king would have had to eat this bread in this particular situation. But, but I think what Jesus is saying in this response is that that is exactly the kind of freedom that the average person should have. 
right? When, when God made the law, when God made the law, it wasn't so much about you better live up to this now, but it was more about now you get to live up to this. Now you get to keep the law. Not that you have to keep the law, but you get to keep the law. It is given as a gift. And Jesus is restating this. He is re-clarifying this. That because of what He has done, it's not so much that we have to keep the law, it's that we get to keep the law as we worship and follow Him. That's the grace that Jesus is calling us to live in. And that's a picture of discipleship that, that Jesus is teaching His disciples and showing to the Pharisees and to us. So, so in that, we see that Jesus removed the burden of the Sabbath. The next thing we, we draw from the text is that Jesus didn't only remove the burden of the Sabbath, but He restored the purpose of the Sabbath. Sort of this idea that the Sabbath had an original intent and it's sort of become watered down or it's been added to so much that it's lost its purpose. And so Jesus restores its purpose. In chapter 3, we, we, we begin and there's sort of a different storyline that happens. It says, again, Jesus entered the synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand. And then the Pharisees, they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal this man on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And Jesus tells the man, come here, come to me, right? He invites the man to him. And, and the way that Mark writes this, it almost sounds to me like, it almost sounds to me like it's a setup, right? Like they found this man and they planted him in Jesus' path there in the synagogue. Like we're going to see what Jesus does. We're going to set a trap for Jesus and maybe we will, maybe we will get them, right? The sick man is there. Jesus is coming. Um, maybe they've plotted this. Um, maybe they've plotted this out for Jesus. I, I don't. I don't know. But but Jesus goes to the man. He doesn't back down. If it's a trap, he probably knowingly steps into the trap, and, and he asks some very penetrating questions to those who are around, to the Pharisees. He says, he says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life? Or to kill. Can you remember their answer? They didn't say anything. They didn't answer, right? He silences them with his question. And he looks around with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretches it out, and it's restored, right? And so Jesus is showing us that, that if we live, and the grace that the Sabbath gives us, then it allows us to get outside of ourselves. It allows us to love and serve others instead of being self-absorbed. And that's, that's what the religious framework does. That's what the worldview of the Pharisees does. That's what rule-keeping does. Is it, it causes us to constantly be self-examining our to, to be self-examining. It's not a bad thing to have some self-examination about us, but it causes us to constantly be self-examining ourselves to the point that we are self-absorbed. To the point that we're not worried about anything else but what I'm doing, right? And, and that's the point Jesus is making, right? This kind of religion always leads to self-absorption and, and it will even lead us to spiritual bankruptcy, They all knew. They all knew the real point of the law, right? To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. But they were 
felt bound. They felt bound by the weightiness of the Sabbath that they couldn't even love their neighbor as themselves. They couldn't even do acts of mercy because of the Sabbath. They were so self-absorbed. They, they couldn't even get out of it themselves to, to love a man who was in need. And Jesus said, that shows that your hearts are hard, and that your hearts are stubborn. Some years ago, there was a study done. It was, it was a study done on seminary students, okay? And, and so it was, it, was, it was sort of done like the, the, the Good Samaritan study. So these seminary students, they had one class, and it was over in this building on campus, and then they were going to have another class just following right after it. It was over in another building on the campus, and they didn't have a lot of time in between classes, you know, like it is when you're in school. And so they were going to have to finish the one class and then kind of immediately make their way to the next class across campus. And so the person doing this little experiment, they planted they planted a man on campus that would be on the route these students would be taking. And the man looked homeless and like a beggar and bedraggled. And so they planted this man like in the path of these seminarians to see what they would do. And sadly, almost all of the seminarians, as they went from one class to the next, they just passed right by this man, right? Because they were focused on what they had to do, get to class, go take their class. And they just ignored the homeless beggar along their way. Jesus said the point of the Sabbath is to heal and is to restore Right? But sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves. Those seminarians were caught up in their own self-absorption. Right? What, what I have to do? Got to get to class. Right? But Jesus is saying, you are free. You are free to prioritize the needs of others. You are free to promote mercy, to show love, to share compassion. Right? You're free to be late to your next class. Right? You're free because of what He has done for us. Because He has loved us. Because He has shown us grace. Right? We're now free to love others. Because He has given us everything we could ever need. We're free to be generous. And he's freed us. And, and He's saying this is the point of the Sabbath. To restore and to heal. Right? It, if you trust on Jesus... You know what? Every one of your needs is met. You're free. You are free to give of yourself and to love others. And, and you know, this is a tough one. You're free to stop worrying. You're free. So, is the Sabbath a day of rest? Yes, it, it is. Do we need rest? Yes, right? And that is, that is important. But, but not as an end in itself, right? The Sabbath is a day to rest. It is a day to be restored. It is a day to be refreshed. It's also a day to engage, to love your neighbor, to help, to help someone in need, to show compassion, to serve, right? And you are free to do that because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So... 
Jesus relieved the burden of the Sabbath. He restored the purpose of the Sabbath. And finally, the last thing to draw out of the text is that, is that Jesus said, or He claimed, that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He said, the Son of Man is even... I'm sorry. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That's what... Chapter 2, verse 28. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, you may have read that text before, seen that before, and, well, sounds fine. Maybe it just kind of passes us by. But that language, the Son of Man, is, is significant. Right? And that's, what Jesus, that's how Jesus refers to Himself in, in Mark's Gospel, the Son of Man. He doesn't refer to Himself as the Messiah. He doesn't refer to Himself as... Lord, He refers to Himself as the Son of Man. Now, we can identify with that, right? We are sons and daughters of men and women, right? Right? Yes, I think all of us. And, and so we can identify with that. We kind of see the, the humanity of Jesus in this, in this name He calls Himself. But, but, there's, but there's more, right? There's even more to that. Um, there's a radical claim in Daniel chapter 9, right? A vision of one like a son of man coming on the clouds, right? It's talking about God's anointed one. And so in Jesus' language about himself, son of man, we can kind of identify with that. Makes sense. And, and then he's also, he's also talking about being God's anointed one, God's Messiah, the Lord, right? In this language. And it, and so it has sort of a, a mixed meaning, this insightfulness about himself. And, and as the Son of Man, he's claiming, he's kind of saying, like, I came up with this. You have made many rules about the Sabbath, but you know, actually, like, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Like, I came up with this idea in the first place. And so I will define what it is and what it means. And he's He's claiming His Lordship as God. And of course, we believe and we hold to, right? Theologically and biblically, that Jesus is God, right? And Jesus is claiming that the Sabbath, that Sabbath rest, that true soul rest is found in, in Him and in Him alone because He is the Lord. He is the Lord even of the Sabbath. In Matthew 11, Jesus says these wonderful words. He says, Come to Me, all you who are, are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He invites us to that deep rest, that shalom, that joy that is found only in Him. A contentedness that is found only in in him. And he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, and I will give you rest. So Jesus removes the burden of the Sabbath. He restores the purpose of the Sabbath. He reminds us that he is the Lord of the Sabbath and that he will give us rest. Well, pastor, that's great. Very interesting. What's this matter for me? What are the implications of this for our lives? Well, two thoughts. First, until you rest in Jesus, brothers and sisters, until you rest in Jesus, you will not have true rest. That's very simple on the one hand. That's very hard at the same time. Until you rest in Jesus, you will, you will not have true rest. 
let us not be fooled by this world. True soul rest is found in Christ and Christ alone. That's one implication. The other is this, is that part of our work as disciples, part of our work as a church, part of our work out on mission, right, is to rest well. I mean, we're to work hard, but we're to rest well. We're to rest in such a way that we are refreshed so that we can give and love and show mercy to a hurting world. To work hard, but rest well in Jesus. We only get that in Jesus. He is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. He invites us to find rest in Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your authority which comes from it, which is the foundation of it, which is like no other. We thank You that You call us to such a radical teaching to work hard, but to rest well in Jesus. And we pray that we would not be misled, that we would not be fooled, that, that we, we would not listen to religion which tells us we better keep that law just right in order to be okay with you but but that we would listen to your gospel we would listen to your son lord who tells us that because we have been saved because you have loved us that we, we are we then get to find our rest in you we get to follow your way and your will for our life we get to love others. Lord, and we thank You for that. We thank You that You've given us everything. Everything that we need. You have loved us. You have given, you, you have given us Your all in Christ, Lord. We thank You that You have shown us mercy and that now we are free to give and to love and to be compassionate. We don't have to worry. We're free. We don't have to worry. We thank You. And as we come to Your table today, a table of communion, of connecting with You, Lord, may, may we find rest in Jesus. He invites us to come. He invites us to rest and be restored. And, and, and Father, as we have taken from this meal, and I just pray that we will go out energized and nourished to serve and to love a hurting world. We thank You for what You have done for us. We thank You for Your grace, which is free for us, but was costly to You in the blood and the life of Your Son, Your only Son, Your beloved Son, that we might come to You, that we might have access to You, Father God. So we thank You for Your meal for us today. We thank You for Your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.